Welcome to the Nino's Corner Podcast. This is beautiful. What is that, Velvet? Hosted by Nick, Nino's Corner Battle. Damn right. Nino's Corner. It's not just a website. It's not just a podcast. It's a brand and a movement. Go to ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com to get the latest products from Nino. Go to the book section to find Nino's three number one best-selling books, Can You Love Me? A Memoir, A Tribute, Battles Blueprint, Five Self-Battles to Defeat for Success, and My Wonderful Life and Adoption Story. If you need merchandise, we had that for you too. Our custom Do You Signature Series shirts and other apparel were sure to please. Again, visit www.ninoscorner.com, N-I-N-O-S corner.com for more information. What's up, peeps? Nick Battle, a.k.a. Nino's Corner. Man, I know it's been a few days since we had our last podcast, maybe about a week and a half. However, man, we had some big news that was supposed to come out for the Texas fan base. We were expecting to get, you know, Urban Meyer to be the coach. Uh, Looks like he told us no, and we got Tom Herman for another year. Um, So I didn't have a podcast after the Kansas State game. I didn't think I needed one because the numbers were so skewed. Uh, B. John Robinson did his thing. Uh, Sam Ellinger did his thing. Um, I had the write up, you know, on the Nino's Corner website, but I didn't have the uh, the actual podcast. But today we're going to talk about, you know, since this Kansas game got canceled. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about the season in review for the regular season, not including the bowl game. Right. And so we're going to talk about this season in review. Look at the NCN, which you guys know, you guys are Nino's Corners, like the fans, the family. Right. So the NCN is the Nino's Corner number. We're going to break it down for the receiving. We're going to break it down for the rushing side of the ball. And we're going to tell you guys uh, who should have been starting the whole year. Um, what is their NCN number? You guys know the bigger the NCN, the better. But before we get into that, guys, we're going to talk about some things that have happened in this Texas football program. You know, the elephant in the room is it looks like the UT Brass, the AD, uh, you know, Mr. Chris Del Conte didn't give a strong backing for Tom Herman pretty much this whole season, kind of left him out to drive with the eyes of Texas situation. Um, didn't give him any kind of endorsement throughout the season. When he tried to time out that that Monday after the Iowa State loss, I didn't know what was going to happen, uh, but he went out there. They asked him if he got endorsement from the AD, and he, and he wouldn't comment on that. He said he was just focused on the Kansas State game. And it looks like uh, he didn't get that vote of confidence because UT was actively pursuing Coach Urban Meyer you know, just behind the scenes to possibly get him to be the Texas head football coach in 2021. Now, what does this mean for Tom Herman? At that point, it meant he was a a dead man walking. I think anybody within the UT program thought that at the end of this season, Tom Herman was was going to be let go just simply due to coaches know that this is probably going to be his last year unless he turns things around dramatically. Um, And if he, if, if things do get shaky when it comes to the recruiting side, 
you know, you got the coaches down there at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher. You got uh, you got Ed O from LSU. You're going to have Coach Saban and pretty much everybody and their mother, Ryan Day from Ohio State. They can come into Texas. They can post their talent and say, don't even think about going to Texas because that coach is the lame duck. Now, I thought Term Herman was going to be let go after the Kansas State game, but what Texas ended up doing was when they let him coach that Kansas State game and he looked so good offensively, during that game, it makes you say, can you really fire a coach who just blew out a team who's probably going to finish seven and three on the season? Um, You know, Texas didn't have that 10th game of the season due to the Kansas game getting canceled. However, uh, you know, he's six and three They go to a bowl game. Tom always does well in bowl games to say they win the bowl game. Now you got a coach who's seven and three and he finishes in the top uh, 15 or, or, you know, like the top 20. And so that's the question that Texas has to ponder. But with them allowing Tom Herman to be a lame duck, we've had guys that have decommitted. Um, you know, the top recruit in 2022, uh, the quarterback, Ewers, man, he is a beast. He left Texas, so he basically just decommitted, you know, like a month ago or so, and he's going to Ohio State. We missed out on guys who were Texas legacies, like the Brockmeyer twins. We missed out on a bunch of folks who are not even considering Texas to come to college because they don't even, you know, either they don't believe that the coach is going to be here in the next couple of years, or they don't believe in this coaching staff and they don't believe the things that are being told to them. They've been told that this offense is going to be different. Before the first five or six games of the season, the offense has not been different. Matter of fact, the defense is is, is what's been winning games for us, right? Kudos to you know to Chris Ash. It looks like he got that unit turned around pretty well at the uh, you know like towards the end of the season. So Texas was losing commit after commit. We lost Billy Bowman. We lost uh, uh, Ewers. We lost um, just a lot of folks. We had kids that were from the state of Texas um, who would have a top 10 list, and, and Texas wasn't in that top 10 list. How does that happen for a kid in the state of Texas? How does that happen in Texas? I guess I'm part of the golden era when we had Mac Brown. And when, you know, a 10-1 season was was garbage for us when they won the championship, right, in uh, 05-06 season. And Matt Brown cleaned up the state of Texas pretty much like nobody's ever seen. Are those days going to uh, – is is that going to happen anymore for any school in the state of Texas? Probably not. What we saw from Mac was just an amazing thing that, uh, that happened. However, to get back on our subject here, uh, the – momentum when it comes to recruiting for the school is just not where it should be. That's why I thought Term Herman was going to be, you know, let go, um, you know, just at the end of the season. Now it looks like Tom Herman is coming back for the season and we got to see what's, what's going to happen with the school. Can he get this thing turned around? Can he get this team back on the, on the path in which Texas is supposed to be and what Texas fans and what Texas brass are used to seeing when it comes to the university of Texas, we shall see. We shall see. Now, in saying all that, guys, Texas did beat the brakes off Kansas State, and I was so happy to see that. You know, we'll do just a slight game, uh, you know, like um, uh, overview. You know, uh, you know. So when it comes to Kansas State, Texas, Texas murdered them. Bijan Robinson did what he was supposed to do, and what Texas fans expected him to do, pretty much this whole season. I felt like Bijan was pretty much being held back. You know, um, I wrote this in my article, you know, on my website, NinosCorner.com, that this, with the B. John Robinson situation, this 
was eerie similar to the Cedric Benson, rest in peace, said B, to the Cedric Benson incident when his freshman year, or not incident, you know, but but his freshman season, Matt Brown didn't play him at all for like the first four or five games, right? Didn't play him at all. Now, what he did do was after Texas lost against Oklahoma, Mac Brown played Cedric Benson. And what did he do when he played him? Cedric Benson went off like 30 carries, 130 yards or something like that in the next game. And the rest is history. Cedric Benson is one of the greatest backs to ever, you know, put on cleats, um, you know, for college uh, football and one of the best in the state of Texas at the high school and at, and, and at the college level. Now, Bijan started and had a hell of a game. Roshan had a hell of a game, too. And we got to see this offense, this power spread, which we were wanting to see basically for the last, I don't know, four or five years now, like the last, what, four years for Herman. So in saying that, guys, man, we finally got to see what this offense could do. And it was like maybe too little too late, but maybe not too little too late because Tom Herman's going to be back per CDC and the administration for the 2021 season. They got to win big guys. They have to win because they got to win to shore up the recruitment. They got to win to to just put some confidence back in the program. Now, this is this kind of reminds me. Uh, Let's just see what can happen with the season. You know, we all know Tom Herman's going to be back. The buyout was $15 million. And Texas had the money, but for the right candidate. The right candidate was Urban Meyer. We didn't get Urban Meyer. So we're going to stick with Tom Herman. Let's see what he can do. Can Herman learn from his mistakes? It seems like he was humbled in that last press conference against um, Iowa State and after the Kansas State. It just seems like he was a, a like a more humble guy. And maybe that's what maybe that's what it, it – Maybe that's what needs to happen for Tom Herman to get back on the rails here at this program. Maybe he had to be humbled. Maybe the Mensa needed to be Mensa. <laughs> I hope so, because I just hope that this program does well. Um, like I said, I want Tom Herman to win every game, because if he wins every game, then this football program is is winning every game, and we have the football program that we are used to as Texas fans. We've been spoiled. And now that we're not spoiled, it's a little bit hard to take uh, what you're seeing now. I keep talking about the recruitment, guys, but what you're seeing now is the widening of the gap. Looking at teams like Oklahoma and Texas, we usually recruit the same talent, usually coming at, you know, top every, every year we're usually top 10 classes, right? But the gap is widening. They're getting the five-star guys. We're not in the gap in the talent pool uh, uh for Oklahoma and Texas, it's widening. It's a Texas fan that's saddening to say, but they are getting more talented and we are getting more stale and stagnant. And we got to get out of that. So Tom has to win big next year to one, keep his job and to two, make sure that Texas gets back on the right foot. So guys, we're going to go to a small commercial break and we're going to come back and I'm going to tell you who should have been starting this year from the skill positions uh, due to the NCN, the Nino's corner number for the receiving side and the rushing side. All right, small break. All right, guys, and we're back, man. We're going to talk now about the Texas skill positions, the wide receivers, the tight ends, the running backs, uh, you know, Sam, you know, at the quarterback position. And we're going to basically say who should have been starting based upon the NCN numbers. So let me pull up my stats here, guys. I got a bunch of stats for you guys when it comes to this. So, the NCN number, guys, you know, the higher the number, the better, right? The average NCN, you know, you know, score for an offense or an offensive skill position is 40 points on the offensive side of the ball. So 40 points is like an average player, 
average wide receiver, average tight end, average running back, 40 points. Just remember that. Tuck that nugget away. Now, when you're starting to get into the 50-point range, guys, the 50-point range are guys who are above average, guys who are almost there. I would say, like, they're not elite, but they're very good. Your elite-level guys come in around that 60 that like that 65 to 70 point range. And we had some of that in the previous seasons. Devin Duvernay, I think, had a 77, uh, you know, like point NCN. Um, Colin Johnson wasn't at the elite level in college. His NCN, I think, last year was around a, uh, around a 57 or a 58. Uh, you know, so let's let's just dive into these metrics, guys. So I'm going to, you know, you know, just look to my left here. So when you see me looking down, I'm just kind of glancing at my uh, my laptop, guys. So, guys, when we're looking at uh, the NCN for the wide receivers. Brennan Eagles is that guy for this team. He had an above average score, if not mistaken. Brennan Eagles was the only guy. The only wide receiver to have an above-average NCN score, 51.35 was Brennan Eagle's score. I'm sorry, 51.10. I'm sorry about that, guys. 51.10 was Brennan Eagle's NCN receiving. Josh Moore erupted into the scene his his uh, his first few weeks against, you know, like the UTEPs and against the Texas Techs, you know, against the weaker talent. As the talent got harder, Josh Moore's numbers decreased. Is he that guy? Don't know. But his NCN uh, was a 48.56. So it was above average, but it wasn't like that above, above, above average, like around that 50 to 55-point range that you want to see your starting wide receivers at. 48 is 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 definitely – it's a it's not an average receiver, but he's borderline between the average and above average. Above 50 is a guy that's, – that's who you want starting. Those are guys that's, that you want on the field all the time. You know that they can contribute and be that guy on a weekend and week out basis. So 51.1 points for Brennan Eagles. And let's just look at some of Brennan Eagles stats, man. Brennan Eagles had a hell of a season, first off, guys. A hell of a deep ball threat. The Texas uh, offense, the, the staff didn't know how to get this man the ball. And they should have got the ball in his hands a lot more than what they did because Brennan Eagles is a playmaker. Uh, he was targeted, let's see, 48 times targeted, guys, 27 receptions. So a catch percentage of 56%, um, 469 yards, uh, 22 first downs, guys. So out of those 27 receptions, 22 of those were first downs. So he's always above the chains is what you like from your um, – your wide out. You want him to be above the chains all the time. And if I'm not mistaken, Brennan Eagles, uh, let's see, Brennan Eagles is, I wouldn't say he's the highest, but he's like the second highest. Yeah, he is the second highest uh, first downs per reception receiver on the team. The first high, uh, the first guy is Tariq Black, who, uh, yeah, he continuously got past the chains, but he phoned the ball out and he dropped the ball out, and he was a liability. He had 11 catches for 20, 25 targets, 11 catches, 264 yards, Tariq Black. And, you know, 10 of those uh, uh, catches were first downs. But his NCN was below average, guys, 38.4, which goes to show you he was a grad transfer from Michigan, had a bunch of talent, um, you know, high four-star guy. But the thing about Tariq Black, 
when you're a four-star guy and you're at a school like Michigan, there's a reason why you're a grad transfer and the school doesn't tell you to come back. We just got, you know, Michigan second, so we got Treat Black, and we kind of see why he was a grad transfer. Uh, his ball security was not the best. Um, he he didn't catch uh, balls like he should have. He dropped some balls. Um, he shouldn't have been on the field as much as he was initially. And the and the staff got there right later on in the season. They started taking him out, um, but they got him out of the game once uh, the core got a little bit healthy. You know, so we had to wait on getting Jordan Whittington back. Jake Smith was banged up this year too. Josh Moore, who did step up this year, and we'll go over him right now too. Josh Moore, forty-eight point five six, like I said. So that's a that's a an above average NCN offense, you know. But not at that fifty point range that you want for your starter. But he did have a have a good season, guys. So Josh Moore uh, had he tied with Brandon Eagles for the most targets in the team, forty-eight targets. He had 25 receptions compared to Brennan Eagles, 27. Like I said, Josh Moore turned it on in the beginning of the season and died out in the end of the season. Brennan Eagles was was the opposite. Turned it on at the end of the season. wasn't as high as the top of the season, but he turned it on when the talent got a little bit tougher. You know, So kudos to Brennan Eagles for that. So Josh Moore, 388 yards. His yards per target, 8.08 yards. Uh, Brennan Eagles, 9.77, which led the team. Okay. Uh, the next guy on yards per target, guys, was uh, hmm, 9.36. But that's at the running back position. But this is just the wide receivers. Uh, Brennan Eagles had the highest yards per target and yards per reception for all of the wide receivers on the Texas staff. Uh, not staff, but the Texas team. So our starters, guys, should have been Brennan Eagles and Josh Moore, which it was. Not knocking that. But the receiver rotation was sort of weird, right? Texas had a bunch of receivers rotating. We didn't need that. Now, slot position. We had two guys at slot. Jake Smith, all right, and Jordan Whittington. Two explosive slot guys. Both of them were hurt throughout the season. I really wanted to see what Jordan Whittington was going to do this year. I really wanted to see what Jake was going to do this year. Those two guys are explosive in the slot. Now, let's look at their NCNs, guys. Their NCNs, Jake Smith. Jake Smith had a 41.6 NCN, uh, and Jordan Woodson had a 39.3. Now, those basically, they're at the 40-point range, meaning they're average wide receiver. But that, that number's a little bit skewed because they came on a little bit later in the season, and the offense didn't utilize them like they should have. Jake Smith and Jordan Woodington on any other team would ball out. Uh, this team has to get better at being able to get these guys in space and get the ball to them because we saw it at the end of the season what Jordan Whittington was able to do. We saw with Jake Smith. We saw, like, the glimpses with him, what he was able to do also. But if you look at just some of the numbers, Jordan Whittington had 21 targets, Jake Smith had 38. Whittington had 17 catches out of those 21 targets, guys. So his catch percentage was 81%, which is what you want from a wide receiver. A lot of his were bubble screens. A lot of his were shorter passes, more like extensions of the running game. Um, however, he did catch the ball at an 81 per, at a at a uh, yeah at an 81 percent clip. Now, Jake Smith, guys, 38 targets, 23 receptions. All right, 60.5 um, catch. Yeah, 60.5 catch percentage. 
294 yards. Yards per target was 7.73. Yards per reception were 12.8, which is great. I like to see that from my slot receiver. 12.8 yards per reception, and Jordan Winton had had a 10.35 yards per reception. So out of your slot, these guys are getting down the field. They're not just possession receivers, so they're getting eight yards, seven yards. Almost like that Jarvis Landry number like a few years ago when he led the league in catches for like didn't even get a thousand yards or barely crack a thousand yards. I think it was averaging like 7.8 yards a catch. Now these guys, when you have those guys who are, I would say uh, uh, guys who stretch the change, they are possession guys, but they're explosive possession guys. And those are your guys, Jordan Whittington, Jake Smith. I can't wait to see what they're going to do next year. I think if Texas runs these double slot, um, you know, uh, uh, um, um, uh, I can't think right now. If Texas runs these double slot formations, I couldn't think of formations, guys. What is wrong with me? All right. If if they run those double slot formations with both of those guys in the middle uh, and your two guys on the outside and Eagles and more, you got something going. But Eagles might declare for the draft for our fine folks at orangeplus.com. You know, um, I think it was Aaron Richardson who – actually um you know like put the message up there but it looks like Brennan Eagles might declare for the draft and if that happens man Texas what are we going to do Troy Amiri guys put that name in the back of your head if he comes back fully healthy from this knee injury he had this year in training camp he will replace Brennan Eagles and he is an explosive guy in the high school level and just looking at some of the film he had from those practices this this spring whoo Woo, he's going to be good, guys. He's going to be good. But he tore his knee up, uh, you know, for, you know, so let's hope for a speedy recovery because I think it's going to be a good one. And I think he can uh, take that position. Now, if we look at the tight ends, the tight ends, guys, the tight ends, Kate Brewer is the guy. He is the starting tight end. His NCN was a 40.9, which is basically, come on, guys, average average he's an average receiving tight end in his offense average receiving tight end in his conference average receiving tight end in the country now the guy who should have been getting more reps is a guy by the name of jared wiley played quarterback at temple high school temple was a good football school i went to ellison high school in, in uh, fort hood you know colleen fort hood uh, so i know all about temple high school now he was a quarterback there i heard he was a hell of a baseball player too and they moved him to the tight end position. You're talking about a guy who's rangy, lengthy. The guy can pretty much catch what you throw to him. Jared Wiley, 46.5 NCN. I think this guy's a true freshman, if I'm not mistaken, or a redshirt freshman. But he is less experienced than Kate Brewer and put up significant, uh, a significant uh, number better than Kate Brewer did. Now, let's take a look at just the targets and the catches. Jared Wiley, 13 targets. Nine receptions, guys. K. Brewer, 18 targets, 13 receptions. Now, let's take a look a little bit into that. All right. 13 receptions for K. Brewer for 110 yards. Jerry Wiley, nine receptions, 166 yards. 166 yards on nine receptions. A little bit more explosive guy. A little bit more explosive guy to tight end position uh, than, than K. Brewer. And I tell you what, next year, you know, when Texas does does these two tight end sets, they're going to have a, the opportunity to put um, Jared Wiley and Malcolm Epps, who really shine. Let's talk about Epps for a little bit. 
Epps, guys. His NCN uh, was a 60.15, but I don't really count it because he didn't get a lot of targets this year. He only had six targets, but he had three catches on those six targets uh, for 42 yards, guys, um, and three first downs. So every catch was a first down for him. Um, averaged uh, 14 yards of reception, and he had two TDs. So those two TDs help skew his NCN number up to where it is now. But he's, he's an athletic guy. Play wide receiver or – yeah, no, I'm sorry. He played tight end in high school. They tried to switch to wide receiver in college. That wasn't uh, the right thing. But he's a natural tight end, very athletic, hell of a basketball player in high school also. So if you can pair these two next year, you know, once we do do two tight end sets, um, the same way that we would do with the two slot positions when it comes to Jordan Woodson and Jake Smith, man, we're going to have one hell of a uh, offensive skill position set. So, Let's take a look at um, explosive plays, guys. Well, how about TDs? So Josh Moore, guys, led led the team with seven TDs. Brennan Eagles with five TDs. Everybody else, I think the next closest person was Jake Smith with three. And there you go for the receiving. Now, explosive plays, guys. It's, you know, so explosive plays when it comes to um, – Colleges, yards of 15, well, it's, it's a catch or a play of 15 yards or more. So Brennan Eagles, again, 11 explosive plays. The next uh, person was Josh Moore with nine. Next person of that was Tariq Black, to be honest with you. That's, that's kind of a – wow, I didn't think about that. Jake Smith had seven. Jordan Whittington in limited action at four. Um, but our guy, Jerry Wiley, three explosive plays. Um, you know, at the tight end position on only 13 targets. So three explosive plays on nine receptions. So every one out of three plays was a play over 15 yards for him for a tight end. And that's just freaking amazing. Um, and successful plays. Successful plays. I have a calculation I do, guys, where a successful play is like on the first down, you get at least half of your yards on first down. The second down, at least 70% of, of the yardage needed to – yeah, 70% of – that yardage to get, uh, you know, that second down play to be a successful play. And on third down, a successful third down play is you're getting enough yards to get a first down. And a successful fourth down play is actually converting, right? So successful plays. So if, if we look at Josh Moore, 25 receptions, 23 of those were successful plays. So his rate was a 92% successful um, play per reception. Uh, let's look at Eagles, Brennan Eagles, 27 receptions, successful plays, 23. Uh, so he had an 85. Uh, he, had, he had an 85% successful play per reception. Uh, Tariq Black, 91%. Uh, who else? Jared Wiley, 88%. Uh, successful play per reception. If you look at Jake Smith, 61%. Jordan Whittington, 65%. Uh, B. John Robinson, 73%. Uh, Kai Money, 78%. All right, guys, let's take a look. Let's go down to the rusher. So I I think that we come to the conclusion our receivers next year are going to be Josh Moore. We got to keep Jordan, Jordan Whittington. We got to keep Jake Smith healthy. Uh, Brennan Eagles will be starting if he comes back and doesn't enter the draft. All right. And the starting tight end is going to be Jared Wiley. If we have a two tight end set, Jared Wiley and Malcolm Epps. Uh, it's going to be a fun battle. Um, but let's take a look at the at the running backs. All right, guys. So the NCN rushing. Sam Ellinger led the team uh, with a 72.7 NCN rushing in the highest in the team. 
Next highest person, guys, B. John Robinson, 67.8. Very, very elite. Next person for that, uh, Roshan Johnson, 66.8, just one point less. That is elite running, guys. A lot of that was due towards the end of the season. They These guys ran very well towards the end of the season. But I feel like they still have more in the tank. Um, you know, the coaches really ran with County Ingram because he had the experience. And he started and he, and he you know, he had to fumble at, at um, during the TCU game that cost us the game. Um, he fumbled a lot this year. Uh, he ended up getting hurt towards the end of the season. But him getting hurt opened the door for the next person. The next person was B. Sean Robinson, our five-star, you know, tailback from Arizona. Um, and what did B. Sean do, guys? B. Sean balled out this year, man. B. Sean, uh, 76 rushes, 513 yards, 6.7 um, – yeah, 6.75 yards per attempt. Uh, it looks like Bijan and Sam tied for you know, for rushing yards. So Sam, 88 rushes, 513 yards, five, 5.82 yards per attempt. Now, guys, what I do do on my calculation, which is different from the regular, you know, college, yeah, the regular college calculation. College for a quarterback, when they get sacked, they count that as rushing yards. I don't count that as rushing yards. I just count it as a sack, right? Um, you know, in the pros, a sack doesn't count against your rushing yards. And so I kind of do the same thing in my calculation. So Sam, minus the sack yards, 513 rushing yards. Um, like I said, 5.85 yards. I'm sorry, 5.83 yards per attempt. Uh, Bijan, 6.75 yards per attempt. Roshan, 69 uh, carries, 382 yards, 5.53 yards per attempt. Uh, first downs, Roshan had 22. Um, Sam had 35. And Bijan had 17. So first downs per attempt. This is the number I like. First downs per attempt. You kind of want that number to be every third play, you're getting the first down. Every third attempt you're getting is, is a first down. Uh, Bijan has to get that number up. He's at around 22%. So he's not even at a quarter. He, he's not even at that one out of every four plays is a first down for him per attempt. Sam, 39.7. So 40% of the 40% of his attempts went for a first down, right? Roshan, 32%. 32% of his attempts went for first downs. That's that explosive, guys. That's what you want in your players. Now, let's take a look at the TDs, guys. Sam, seven. Uh, Roshan, five. Bijan, three. Um, explosive plays. This is where we're going to get. Now, even though uh, only 22% of his carries were uh, – Basically, first downs, right? First downs per attempt. Uh, Bijan did have the most explosive plays. He's explosive, guys. <laughs> He's explosive. Nine explosive plays from the running back position, meaning 15 yards or more. All right, so his explosive play per attempt. Let's see, see, this is the odd part. Almost 12% of the time, Bijan gets an explosive play. So it's like one out of every nine plays, Bijan gets an explosive play. So he's like, put the foot in the ground, make that cut up, and he's gone. A lot faster than I thought he was. Um, and it's successful plays. All right, so Bijan had 28 successful plays, uh, Roshan 36, and Sam 47. All right, so the successful plays per attempt for Bijan about 37%, Sam 53% and Roshan 52%. See, that's just more guys, you know, like when you look at that, that is more of the experience piece. So you're looking at Bijan really came on towards the end of the year. 
Um, so his uh, successful plays, he took a few negative plays, just not sometimes, you know, like sometimes I think Bijan was going too fast sometimes, you know, wasn't letting the play sit up in front of him. And you saw how Roshan did the same thing last year. But this year, he's a little bit more patient. And Sam's always been a pretty patient runner. So that just comes with experience. But next year, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson should be the workhorses with the main piece, the main ingredient being Bijan Robinson, man. But that's what we got today, guys. That is what we did today. We broke down the NCN receiving and rushing for the Texas uh, skill players. Um, we, we broke down that. Let's pray and hope that Bijan uh, stays healthy because he's going to be our starting running back next year with a lot of Roshan Johnson in there. Um, Hudson Card's probably going to be our starter, especially with Jaquindon Jackson, basically just um, putting his name in the transfer portal today. So we got Hudson Card and Casey Thompson as our quarterbacks next year. And, uh, yeah, we went from a stacked QB room to to um, a, a very small QB room. All right, once you're talking about the wide receivers, guys, let's hope Brendan Eagles comes back. But if he doesn't, man, go get that money in the NFL. Man, we are back and you hook them all day long, baby. Uh, Josh Moore, Jordan Whittington, and Jake Smith as the others. And Troy Miri, I'm so eager to see what he's going to do next year, you know, just coming off that injury. Um. And the tight ends, Jared Wiley, do your thing, big boy. And Malcolm Epps, do your thing. And Lebron's going to be a pretty good player, I think, also. So on that note, guys, man, let's get out of here, man. It is getting late at night for me. I got to put this on the podcast. Love you guys, man. Uh, do you. Don't be afraid to fail. I'll grow your environment. Understand your brilliance, man. Nino's Corner, we are out.